You may know cortisol as the stress hormone that increases belly fat. Well, it is that, but cortisol plays a role in a lot of other systems in your body. So when this stress hormone is chronically elevated, it can do some serious damage. And interestingly, elevated cortisol is a marker for depression and other mental health conditions. In today's episode, we explain how cortisol impacts your mental health and then share seven easy yet science-backed ways to lower cortisol almost instantly. Let's dive in. So I feel like everybody has a very negative connotation of cortisol because for a lot of people, particularly women, women. The, when you hear cortisol, you think about belly fat typically. Oh, yeah. And when I think about belly fat, I think about cortisol. Yeah. And honestly, I can't remember in our studies them ever really talking about the positives of cortisol. It was mainly more the negatives. Absolutely. If we did touch on it. Yeah. But you need cortisol. I mean, on our short list of the things that cortisol does, we, obviously we didn't get too deep. Like two of them I wasn't expecting. I know. The problem with cortisol is when it gets elevated and it stays elevated. And that's what we're talking about today and seven ways that you can decrease it when it gets to that point. Because that's when you start... Um, gaining the fat in your belly area and see some of the immune issues and insulin resistance. But just really quick, the thing, you do need cortisol um, and, you know, normal levels of cortisol in your body to help with blood sugar control. It influences protein metabolism. It influences the immune system. It inhibits the secretion of inflammatory compounds, so prevents inflammation or compounds that could cause inflammation. But this is all when it's at normal levels. Right, exactly. And maybe we should back up for a quick minute and just remind everybody that cortisol is commonly referred to as a stress hormone. Oh, yeah. That would be good to tell them. Yeah. Right. One of those hormones that is when you have that fight or flight thing that is released during that stress response so that you have this surge of energy and glucose and your body makes all these adaptations or adaptations in a few milliseconds so that you can outrun that bear. For sure. When I'm out running a bear, I'm really thankful for my cortisol. Yeah. And you know what I've read is that, you know, that's really how... The stress response was designed for those kind of dangers. And And very common still in today's modern times. (laughs) What's happened is we don't have those kind of dangers, but yet that same response gets triggered for all these smaller things. Oh, well, yeah. And that's taking a toll on health. Didn't mean to sidetrack us. No, no. I think you did a great job explaining it. Maybe if we had more bears running after us. um, I know. I know. Maybe it would. we would just ride the wave a little better. Yeah. So <laughs> let's talk about how to reduce these elevated cortisol levels because it, these are very shockingly easy to do things. Yeah. Well, you can do like today. That's the best part that I love is when we can give advice to people that's like, oh, you can go do this now. Yeah. Now. Yeah. The very first one, the one that you have listed in our notes that says number one, Uh that's been a hot topic in my house this week, and I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole, so I'm going to let you advise people on that one. Number one is get a pet or spend time with your pet Mm -hmm. if you already have one. There are studies showing that taking care of 
and being with your pet for just 10 minutes lowers your cortisol. It also increases oxytocin, which is usually that. It's a neurotransmitter that's connected to serotonin and dopamine. It's also one you usually hear about um, associated with childbirth and breastfeeding, that kind of thing. But it's it's connected to serotonin and dopamine, and those three are neurotransmitters are what are commonly referred to as your happy hormones. So you're decreasing cortisol and increasing one of your happy hormones. I love that. That's so easy. I absolutely love that because also they say that like a chronic high levels of cortisol can lead to a serotonin deficiency. So now we are yeah. counteracting that. Which makes you think they really need to – I mean, I love that you see some pet therapy like in hospitals now, but it really needs to be more and maybe even in school. Yeah. We we have a, um, a dog at my really? daughter's school. Yeah. But I'm not sure if it's there for emotional support. Like I don't – really understand the kids all love it so it definitely plays an emotional support role but i don't remember why they originally got it but yeah its name is foxy and it's a really cute little yellow lab well both of my kids want to declare one of the cats an emotional support animal oh <laughs> good luck with that no you're gonna have support cat <laughs> you're gonna have to take that one on the road with you then. yeah okay can i do this next one yes all right. You're really excited about I'm this I'm so one. excited about this one. This next one is take your medication. And now I realize we don't all take medication, but I take medication. And so what I was excited about this is that the research shows that a lot of the prescription medications that you would take, and especially SSRIs for mental health like conditions, yes, actually can help bring those cortisol levels down and they can also help... Um, I guess, re-regulate the HPA access, like take it out of dysregulation. And so that's why I was like, oh, I mean, that's just a reminder of like, if you're, if you're, if you have symptoms of depression or anxiety or something else, and you're on the fence about taking something, may, maybe you want to revisit that conversation with well, your doctor. And I think it, Again, it goes back to, um, I mean, you're talking about big things like you're talking about, you know, um, controlling neurotransmitters and hormones with antidepressants, thyroid medicine, anything like that. And so if you aren't regularly taking it, that's a stress on the brain or the body. Yes. And so that, you know, anytime you, you know, you need to do it consistently. Correct. Because not doing that stresses the body, which yeah. doesn't hurt your cortisol, which help your cortisol any. So I can see how taking them regularly is kind of like provides kind of a sense of calmness, almost regularity. Yes, homeostasis exactly. for your body. Oh yes. gosh, look at that big word. Okay, so the next thing that you can do is fish oil, and I guess we should probably get a little bit more specific and say an omega three supplement, which we've talked about before that is really beneficial um, to your overall mental health. Um, but there was a pretty recent study, a 2021 study, that did look at taking omega-3 supplement and cortisol. And what they found was that compared to the placebo group, so the group who got a fake pill, that those who took these omega-3 supplements had uh, produced less of the stress hormone cortisol and lower levels, had lower levels of a pro-inflammatory compound during a stressful event in the lab. So um, what I – like basically like – 
it seems like if I'm interpreting this correctly is that <laughs> you take this omega-3 supplement and it blunts kind of the stress response that your body might have, mm-hmm. um, which is a good thing. And now I imagine if you have that, um, you know, those omega-3s on board pretty consistently, it's just going to help lower cortisol or keep it low. Yeah. Well, and, and, and omega-3s are the one nutrient that really have a direct um, anti-inflammatory impact, like nutrient-wise. Yeah. And so, you know, anytime you can keep that at bay or, you know, kind of calm the stressor. Right. Um, or make your body not react. And you talked about before about how it's really important to look for one that has a combination of DHA and EPA because those are the two yeah. omega-3 fats that are like the that most – brain really needs. Yeah. That we usually don't get. Um, yeah, and you want like a 60-40 breakdown. 60% EPA and 40% DHA, right? Ish. So. Ish. Yes. I'll have to go back and look. I believe it's EPA to DHA. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What's the next one? What number are we on? Oh, um, I've lost track of the numbers. I think this is number four. And it is your f- current fave. Yes. Number four, ashwagandha. And if y'all have not listened to our episode on ashwagandha, you need to. Because we were blown away adaptogen and what it can do. So ashwagandha helps to stabilize the body's response to stress by improving the body's resistance towards towards stress. So it can tolerate more before it loses it. (laughs) Yup. And it lowers cortisol. So um, a 2014 review of studies found that rarely taking ashwagandha can help manage anxiety. Um, there was a randomized control trial, too, that we mentioned in the ashwagandha episode that looked specifically at anxiety and depression. And they gave one group ashwagandha for 60 days. They gave the other group just a placebo. The In the ashwagandha group, after 60 days, there was a significant reduction in um, depression, in anxiety, and in stress, like we're talking about 77% decrease in depression based on the the test that they were using. 75% reduction in anxiety, 64% reduction in stress, and a 28% reduction in cortisol. Yeah, they like measured cortisol. Yeah. Which is awesome. But what remember what we remembered, and this is why you need to go listen to the episode, you got to be consistent. And you yeah. really have to, I think the benefits really kick in around day 60. And that's been the hardest part about ashwagandha for me is, like, I am not consistent with yeah, it. Yeah, that – I'm kind of – I've never – I don't think I've ever reaped the benefits because I can't be consistent. Yeah. But if you are consistent, it really can make a big difference. Yeah. All right. Number five. Okay. This is all you, Carolyn. I'm all sorry. you. Um, adopt an anti-inflammatory diet. Or not necessarily adopt a full-blown anti-inflammatory diet. Um. But just make choices that promote um, a decrease of inflammation or make choices that don't cause inflammation. Right. You know? Right. So the most significant contributors to inflammation um, and the things we eat are like saturated fat and trans fats, um, caffeine and excess, alcohol and excess, um, an inadequate intake of like your vitamins and minerals and antioxidants. And you want to get your antioxidants from foods. 
low fiber, sedentary lifestyle, carrying extra body fat, and then a high glycemic load. So that like having a big old carb fest. Yeah. And and like the carbs that are refined, like mm-hmm. white, processed. you know, white and processed and loaded with sugar, etc. Yeah. So to minimize inflammation, those are what you need to avoid so they won't because those can cause inflammation, to minimize existing inflammation, which everybody has some level in their body, you really want to choose a lower glycemic diet, So, which basically means more whole foods. Yeah. doesn't mean you can't have carbs. It just means more whole, less refined foods. Um, avoid your trans fat, sat, um, limit saturated, um, reduce caffeine, drink alcohol in moderation, increase your consumption of plant foods, um, and then get meet the recommendations for omega three mm-hmm. fatty acids. Mm-hmm. All yeah. things we've talked about a lot before. Yeah, but great, great pieces of advice. The the more you can lower inflammation in the body, that's going to help your overall stress going on in the body, and that's going to help your cortisol. We have two more, okay. and I know that I really got excited about taking your medication, but I have to say these two are are my favorites. Number six is to get outside, which. I feel like pretty soon people are going to think we are just like big old proponents of constantly being outside, which is kind of funny because we do like to be outside, but we're also, we also really are indoor cats, especially as the weather gets hotter here in Alabama. Yeah. Getting outside, Carolyn has talked about this before when we did an episode on it, is that you can lower your cortisol within a few minutes of being outside. Um and one way to measure cortisol is through your saliva. And so a study found that the salivary cortisol level significantly decreased when people spent time in nature for 20 to 30 minutes. Like that was the greatest impact, which really is not a lot. And let's also remember, it doesn't mean you have to be physically active. No, it doesn't mean you have to be hiking for those 20 to 30 minutes. No, no. We can just be sitting outside. We can be sitting on your beautiful brand new back patio. Yes, we could. Um, and then also the benef- there's benefit from just like being exposed to that like green space. It can trigger the parasymp- parasympathetic nervous activity and that's the system in your body that relaxes or undoes the effects from stress that's caused by the sympathetic nervous system. They get so confusing. I know. Nervous systems. It, this, there are, why one why calms, must there be so many? One hypes you up, but yeah. And you know – I've read some that, like, maybe you can't get outside, but sit by a window where you can see green space. Yeah. I mean, it It can make a difference. It really does make a difference for me when I'm at at the office all day and Mm -hmm. I'm starting to, like, claw at the walls. Yeah. I'll go and I'll sit by the window or I'll go for a walk down the streets of coffee shop. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. All right. Take it home with the last one. This one is one of the best. Laugh. So laughter mitigates the effects of stress, and there is actually research to prove this. I love when they research something so positive. I know. So it um, mitigates the effects of stress by decreasing the stress hormones that are found in the blood. So laughter decreases levels of cortisol, epinephrine, growth hormone, and then a um, metabolite of dopamine. Which the decrease of all of those indicates a reversal of the stress response because all of those are released when you have a stress response. And so if you can 
reduce all of those. Um, but what's even more fun is they did an initial study um, where they initially found that laughter decreased these. But then from that first study, they kind of, they started to ask, like, could the anticipation of laughter also decrease cortisol? So they did a second study, and they had a group of 16 men. Granted, this was small. Um, and half were told they were going to watch a humorous video um, that they had selected earlier. The other half were told that they were going to sit in a room with magazines. And so they monitored the men's stress levels, like, 30 minutes before, 15 minutes before, and then during and then after. Um, and re they found that levels of all three stress chemicals were decreased before, during, and after in the men who got to watch the humorous video they picked out. I love that. I know. So just thinking about laughing. That's fantastic. I know. Um, oh, and 30 minutes after the videos were watched, cortisol was down in these men by 67%. 30 minutes after they watched a funny video. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stop giving Will a hard time when he's watching like Instagram reels and videos of stuff on the couch because now I realize it's probably good for his stress. Maybe that's what we're missing. I mean, we don't sit still enough to watch a YouTube video or an Insta or, or TikTok. A, yeah, TikTok or an Instagram reel. Yeah. I saw something funny on Instagram the other day. I might have posted it um, in my stories where it said that um, – uh, no, I, I'm not on TikTok. I watch TikTok yeah. videos on Instagram as Instagram reels two like every other adult does. Yes, and it said I watch them two weeks later. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, yep, yes. it me. Yes. Okay, so cortisol, It's I would say it's likely has been elevated in most every adult at times. It may be elevated in your life if you've got stress now. But little things like this can make a big difference because the real key is chilling out that stress response because that's what drives the cortisol up and then the plethora of health problems. Right. Yeah. And the nice part is we just gave them seven ways to do it. Almost immediately, except for maybe the getting a pet part. But you could go and spend time with your pet or your neighbor's pet. Um, you could volunteer at a shelter. Well, look at you. <laughs> yes, you can do that, too. Um, not knocking it. I just was not expecting you to say that. You really caught me by surprise. But you're right. Like, if you, if you just spend a little time trying to lower the cortisol on a regular basis, it's going to have an overall better effect. I don't really know how to take that, Briarly. <laughs> I know you're an animal lover. I just, here's what happened. Is in my mind, you said you could volunteer at a shelter. And immediately a picture popped into my brain of you volunteering at a shelter. And that was really unexpected for me. Yeah, I've never done it. I just I, I don't know why it popped into my head. If you told me Madeline would, but I just so that was the visual. It was like I had an immediate visual of you in a shelter kennel with like cats and dogs and No, I was thinking about somebody like in New York City who like couldn't have a pet because of space or you know I understand. Yeah. And no, I think it's a great suggestion. I think it's a great suggestion. I just anyway. Okay, well let's wrap this one up. Thank you so much for joining us for the Happy Eating Podcast. I'm Briarly Horton. And I'm Carolyn Williams. 
If you liked this week's episode, then don't forget to rate and leave us a review on iTunes and be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss a new episode. We can't wait to have you back at our table next week for a brand new episode. Bye. Bye. The contents discussed in the Happy Eating Podcast, such as advice, studies, text, graphics, images, and other material discussed or presented on the site or podcast are for informational purposes only. Content is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding your condition. Never disregard professional advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on the Happy Eating Podcast. If you are in crisis or think you may have an emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. If you're having suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK, that's 8255, to talk to a skilled, trained counselor at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. If you are located outside the United States, call your local emergency line immediately.